0: Welcome to another episode of the Business of Freelancing podcast. Today's topic is requests for proposals or RFPs. We're joined by Dave Hulson, who's co-founder and chief operating officer of RFP 360. We'll talk about the wild world of responding to RFPs and why you may or may not want to consider it for your business. Our guest this week is Dave Hulson. Uh, hey, Dave. Welcome to The Business of Freelancing. Well, thanks for having me today. So, Dave, tell us uh, and our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself. What do you do,
1: and why have we invited you here? Well, your guest list must have really been short. Um, <laughs> I am the co-founder and chief operating officer of RFP360, and to that extent, I help develop software software around the request for proposal process. So I've been involved with RFPs for a long time, and I'm one of the few people on this planet who makes a living by loving RFPs, because not many people love the RFP process. So our software helps people both, um, we have two solutions, one that helps people issue RFPs following best practices, And then another solution and they're tied together that help people respond to RFPs. So organizations that are trying to increase their win rates or decrease the amount of time they spend on RFP responses. That's what we do with our software. Okay, so I'm going to tell you, I've been a
0: consultant now since what, like 1995 for about 25 years or so. And the handful of times that I've seen anything have to do with RFPs, my eyes have sort of glazed over I have closed that tab or you know, turned the page and I've gone on to try to do something else. So what are RFPs and why should I take a greater interest in them
1: than I have so far? RFPs are they illicit, just that mention illicit emotions with people. Now, I met my wife talking about RFPs, which is also a sad <laughs> a sad <laughs> thing about my life. Um and so my wife is in the architecture space. She responds to RFPs on a daily basis. We talk about RFPs literally every day. Um not a reality show you would want to watch on TV. Uh the the fact of the matter is RFPs are a it, it, it is it is just a necessary evil. I will say all the time I've spent with them and trying to build in best practices into software, the intent of the RFP is still very pure. And in fact, I, my goal is to make RFPs not a four letter word anymore um, because there's a time and a place for them. The, the problem is as most of you are aware, responding to RFPs has always become this super challenging thing. You often have the deck stacked against you You know, it's super um, uh, opaque process. And so all of the best practices about an RFP have been just destroyed over time. And so helping clients of ours get back to um, really, why are you doing this RFP? How to get the best responses, how to be transparent and work in, in a partnership to find the best solution for your needs. It's super idealistic. But um, getting that back to where the RFP is a vehicle that people say, oh, you know, I'm going to spend a little bit of time bidding on this um, because it's formal, it's transparent, and I'm going to get the best shot at it, the most fair shot. And if I win it, great. But, um, yeah, that's not the case in the real world, unfortunately, in in most approaches.
0: Who who puts out these RFPs? Is it governments,
1: big companies, small companies, and, and for what sorts of things? When when we started in 2012, uh, I thought that we'd probably be in the government space a lot. Um, and then the more we w- w- once we launched the RFP responding software that helps sales and marketing teams respond to RFPs, we found that they were coming from so many sources, industries we'd never heard of before. And for example. In the U.S., uh, retirement plans are provided by the employers and um, 401Ks are what what we call them. Every company bids out their 401K work on a pretty regular basis. And just this mundane set of questions that people have to go through for their governance compliance. Did we make sure we asked the right questions to all these participants? And and the rule following it, it. it happens across every industry, and um, we, I am shocked every day about a new industry I'd never even heard of before, the, the um, you know waste management to telephonic things to hiring co- consultants to ensure diversity in our supplier base. Everything has gone through our software over the last eight years, so it's mind-numbing and exciting.
2: Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, who uh, your software helps, like on the the bidding for RFP yes. side? Okay. Uh, yeah, tell us a little bit more about the, that. The,
1: the 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 most impact that your listeners would have would be um, responding to RFPs to try to you know win new business, which is super important. Um, the software that we sell, and there are a couple of other players in our space. It's it's, it's actually a pretty small space uh for as as big as the potential market is um but there are a number of players and we help people with three main tasks and that is collaborating together so you're not working in a vacuum managing the tasks associated with the rfp response which are largely i have 500 questions i need to respond to 500 questions and then knowledge management uh, which is super important especially in a large organization making sure that the content that you're putting in there is appropriate it's um, it's not obsolete and it has a good voice to it a consistent voice so for example um, a, a pretty typical customer of ours has a couple hundred users in the software. And so a coordinator who is who may has have described her job before as trying to herd cats or reinvent the wheel every two weeks is trying to answer 500 questions from 100 different subject matter experts who have the answers. And so um, trying to put all that stuff together and, and making sure that it sounds like it came from one organization with one mission and vision <laughs> and values. Uh, and that's very difficult. So. Software that helps us with that is it's kind of a combination of, you know, uh, you've got Google Docs with information and maybe you've got a, if you're a bigger company, SharePoint drives with documents and things. Uh, But trying to pull information, bits, little nuggets, answers to specific questions, uh, paragraphs or sentences uh, putting it together into a comprehensive storytelling way, because that's really what your proposal has to be—is a story about why you are the best for this specific customer need. There are probably three, three main personas too that someone may find themselves in, and then that is, um, and, and if you're a sole proprietor or free, freelancer, you're you're wearing all these hats. Uh, the marketing manager who is responsible for that overall brand and the, the message and the voice. Uh, that person needs to make sure that their content is, is concise and cohesive and consistent. And then there is this uh, coordinator, proposal coordinator, who's trying to pull together all this stuff. And he or she may not be an expert in any one field, um, but they just need to get this thing done and get it out the door on time. And the last is the subject matter expert. They have all the answers. Uh, maybe it's some technical answers and the person who is answering these questions has another job they do. And so bringing in the subject matter expert um, is the, uh, that's the, third, the third main uh, role that somebody who just has pinged a couple of times a month and needs to provide some answers.
3: You actually just answered kind of what I was just going to ask. That's good. I was actually going to say from like a sole proprietor or freelancer perspective, usually what a request for proposal not using a service or software looks like is uh, kind of like what Ruben and Jeremy just said, like you find something on LinkedIn or you find something somewhere that looks like sort of an enticing project that you sort of want to throw your hat in for. You go through it answer things the best you can and just sort of send it off and keep your fingers crossed. Um, And a lot of those times there's sort of things going through your head of, Oh, do they already have someone in mind for the, for the role? Um, How much time do I typically spend on it? So given that as like the general experience for a lot of freelancers, what does it look like as a user going through the experience uh, with something like RFP 360?
1: Yeah. Now in, in most cases, so if a uh, if a if an organization or an individual is using our software kind of standalone, they're they're taking RFPs that they find on the internet or get via email. They can upload the document to our system, and they can make use of those three tools I mentioned before. They've got collaborative tools, task management, and knowledge management tools. Um, they they're. You can cobble that together using other types of software. If you use a Google Doc, you know, you can be in a Google Doc and you can assign tasks out to people. Um, But, you know, this is custom made so that you've got these dashboards and things that really help you, you know, respond to this RFP. And maybe it pushes some data into your CRM with some graphs and and things. Um, So it's it's not there's nothing revolutionary about Anything that we do in the software, it's just pulling it together for this task specific thing. The freelancers that I have encountered in the last number of years in the software, uh, generally speaking, fall into a couple of categories where they might be an expert that is being pulled in for a specific thing. Maybe they're an expert in security. And it's. Uh, I think about this a lot because we're going through these security audits and things so we reach out to somebody they provide some data so they're they're an expert that whose whose brain we need to pick and we want to make sure we save that information because every time i need to go out and ask that person for more information it could cost me and i and that person also wants me to save the information so they don't have to be pinged with all these small questions here and there Um, so freelancers often are experts that provide input i have also seen freelancers come in as a proposal writing consultant, so they may help with the overall brand messaging, the consistency of communication, especially in an industry. If, they, if they're a healthcare focused freelancer or writer, they will know how to tailor the answers uh, for a specific industry um, and make sure they're making use of, you know, active voice and things like that. So a good writer might be kind of a, a generalist in that sense. Um, so. That, that's, that's how I've seen freelancers in. The, the, the least common one would be that, that overall kind of marketing manager who, who owns the old, the return on investment of the tool and things like that. Because, you know, people are spending thousands of dollars. That's not usually a freelance type of position. But I, w- I will say um, numerous freelancers have brought us into deals where they have been either a, um, uh, a sales and marketing consultant For a customer who's brought us into the mix, they said, um, the the freelancer said, you know, I I think you as an organization need a tool so that you can do all this stuff better and more repeatably. Um, So we have we have aided a freelancer um, in many cases in in, in that way, the same way on the other side of our platform where a freelancer might be a procurement consultant helping somebody buy things more efficiently or get a better deal on things. So. So I understand what you're saying about uh, freelancers being able to help as part of the
0: RFP process. If I'm looking for more work as a freelancer, are RFPs like, a reasonable way to go or is it aimed really at larger organizations um, and, and I should be part, joining up with others as opposed to doing it on my own? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. And I'm not a sports per- person, but I'm going to use this, this, this analogy. Everybody wants more at-bats. And so a freelancer who's out there looking for more opportunities to bid on, our software does not does not plug into various sites where RFps are posted or opportunities are posted those are there there are portals like that out there and some of them are good and some of them aren't um, that's not anything we do but but those those portals are out there so if you are a fr- freelancer looking for your type of work I'll, I'm going to pick on the marketing communication space because there is a portal called RF or rfpalooza or RF Palooza, and i forget the guy's name that runs it but he 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 scours the internet for marketing and communication type rfps and he puts them out there and you can pay to download this stuff are, are they available in public sources probably i think that's where he's scraping them from and the other ones rfp db rfp database um and they're scraping places to pull these RFPs together. and it's a nice place. Both of these are nice places to go out and look for opportunities that you might not have otherwise stumbled across. Or like in my wife's case, um, their people in their in- industry often just go out to these um, public sector websites and they just every Monday they go out and they search, Do you have any opportunities posted? And so they spend an hour every week, looking for new opportunities that might, that might be out there. Um, and so some of these portals are at least pulling them together into one place. So they've, they've got their bots out there looking for opportunities. Um, but again, our software is all about helping you, once you know of the opportunity, how to, instead of spending 200 hours on it, you're spending 100 hours on it and as an organization and you know, bringing down that overall burden. But finding opportunities is tough public entities often post them out private entities not so much you know they might in, invite people to participate in an rfp but they don't necessarily broadcast out and say who would like to answer this rfp so but
0: but are, are they even appropriate for solo freelancers like should i even be considering no. rfps if i'm just in, in business on my own
1: yes but read the rfp over carefully um, there are many there are some RFPs out there that I think are well geared towards a freelancer, but, but by the nature of RFPs, they're generally larger companies that are looking for something more complex and more expensive that might be able to be satisfied by a freelancer. Um, it's probably better to align yourself with a larger organization who has a proposal writing team so you can augment their team when they need it but you don't have to be the driver of the RFP response
4: can you talk about how you evaluate RFPs to kind of just get a rough order of magnitude on you know the size of organization that they're looking to have you know be awarded the contract like you know I used to own an agency we had responded to a number of RFPs and like on some of them, you know, we thought we were proposing a nice big number that was going to be a really big project for us, you know, like 300,000 or half a million dollars. And then when it comes time to it, it's being awarded. We find out, oh, they awarded that to the, the shop that has 200 employees that charge 20 million dollars for it. And we were just not even in the right ballpark. Um and you know we did we didn't really have any way to know that and we thought we're like you know good by hey we're going to use agile techniques and we can, we know we can do this with a small team but it just didn't match what they've had in mind for like the shape of what a response would look like
1: there there are a couple of great internet memes that that speak of this in humorous <laughs> terms because it is so true and there's a movie i maybe the guy's is is there's an actor is it jonah hill i think was in a movie where they were a defense contractor and they were they underbid the next competitor by two billion dollars or something and um <laughs> uh, but in in real life i i the first r f p we responded to with our own software we way underbid the competition and we won the customer and there's there's still a customer but we left probably forty grand a year on the table because uh, we didn't we didn't maybe ask the right questions. And that's the tough thing with an RFP. They're supposed to be telling you all of this stuff that's gonna allow you to bid the right amount. But sometimes they don't. And you don't always know who you're competing against. Uh, sometimes you don't even know who's on the other side of that. Who's going to be evaluating this? How big is their team? Are they really, you know, are they pushing this out to one is this one department or multiple departments across geographies? Um, and sometimes that's by design that they do that but it's not always fair so uh i i there's no this is why rfp's get such a bad rep reputation because you spend all this time doing doing this and you realize that you weren't ever even in the running because they they had this the, somebody had the buyer had their firm in mind or their agency in mind or um i don't know you should be all Equal when you go into an RFP response, but but, we're, but they're not. I mean, one of the things that we force on the other side of our platform—not force, sorry—we encourage people to score objectively with the scoring criteria, um, so that when you get a, the graphs are built at the other end, it says, you know, based on your scoring and all the teams that went in and evaluated this, here's how these suppliers or vendors or respondents rank. Uh, and their strengths and weaknesses by section, and not all of our customers use that. When they do use that, it shows me that they are really cognizant to make the right decision for the right reasons, and it doesn't matter if you're a two-person shop or a 200-person shop. You answered the questions, and they want to partner with you because of the content of your answers. So um, again, that's the disconnect between the idealism and the reality of the RFP process. If for people who aren't thrust into the RFP world, I would almost say don't go in there. Um, if you can make a living without responding to RFPs, you should. It's only when you are thrust into the RFP process that you should try to do it as quickly and as painlessly as possible and track your success rate. Because if you find that there are decisions that are out of you you should cut and run as quickly as possible, just like anything, just like when you're pivoting your own your own business, if if you have a one in five win rate, uh, that's pretty good in the RFP world. But if you find that it's one in ten by going after certain types of projects, then don't go after those projects anymore. Don't. You know, there are plenty of RFPs that we say no thank you to uh, because of something we read in there that just doesn't feel right. Or you know if, when they ask us for like, does your software send faxes and we say really you what's a fax and who is using this and if you're asking this you're you're so disconnected with how software works or should be working that we don't want your business though so. oh. i was just curious about something you had mentioned
0: before about like the scoring is that a standard thing where like when an rfp is done you find out how
1: everyone does and you can evaluate yourself no against no. everyone else so, no it internally so when I used to run, so when we started the company, I had been on the buyer side, and I always created scorecards. So I would go to the unit that was trying to buy this thing, and we would, I would write down all their needs and get deep, de- detailed needs, uh, create RFP questions based on those, and then create a scorecard. And so then the evaluation, the evaluation committee or evaluators. Would go through when the responses came in and read the responses and put little notes and scores whatever then i would consolidate it all all the stuff the software does and i would do that manually back in the old days um they should then have the stack of data on their side of why they made a decision that data is rarely ever released to anybody else um one of the things we have built into the software is the ability to to track all that so that 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 it's possible if someone were ever open to sharing that sort of data, it's possible for somebody to take all of that anonymized information and share it with, for example, one team, let's say a team lost to be able to get a report. We have this available that, um, and, and for various privacy and legal reasons, nobody, we just don't want anybody using it right now, uh, but they would be able to see where they ranked against their competitors in an anonymized fashion. Wow, you were really strong in your approach. Uh, your, your your relevant experience wasn't judged to be very good. So let's let's work on that. If 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 anybody responding to RFPs consistently had this sort of data, after at the end, to do an after action review, they'd be able to make continual adjustments. The problem is, even though our software can and does capture that it's not made available to anybody because what that does is it opens up a can of worms to, to to the buyer. And immediately you're, you're reading through, through this and you said, gosh, well, we were strong in all these categories. Looks like we should have won this thing. How come we didn't win this thing? Uh, And then, and then (laughs) the buyers are now in this difficult spot of, well, I mean, you didn't take us out for dinner, did, did you? You didn't take us for golf. All these other things that factor in to the buying process that should not factor into the buying process, still are introduced into the buying process. Um, Some organizations are very transparent about it and definitely go by the books, but they're in the minority and therein lies the problem with the RFP. So some bad actors have completely ruined the name of RFP over the last however many years they've been used, so decades.
2: Assuming that, uh, let's say it's uh, right for someone to be, you know, like they've determined that, yeah, RFPs work for us, like, you know, probably more likely in a situation where you're not by yourself. But, uh, when it comes to winning more RFPs, what, what's, uh, some core things or a core idea that our listeners should know about and keep in mind, like, uh, like to, to try to win more RFPs or like some best practices to keep in mind. Yeah.
1: Um, we just, did some webinars with um, if you're some of your folks may be members of the APMP Association of Proposal Management Professionals. So we did a webinar for the Canadian group and kind of the New York, New Jersey area. And I know we had a segment on um, kind of the, the the factors that help you win more. I have to find my notes on that. If with all due respect, can I come back to that at a later time, let me find uh, find the slides on that. Great question. Write that no down. How to win more? I have to say, I'm just sort of
0: still stunned that there's an association of procurement managers. Like, <laughs> I guess I shouldn't be surprised by such things, but clearly but, this is a common thing in so many
1: companies that they need well, their own association. Not not to be confused. There, so there is an association of supply chain managers. Uh riveting group of people <laughs> but, <laughs> but the but the Association of Proposal management professionals, so they get together virtually this month, historically in in person, you know worldwide, they have these chapters and they come in uh, I've been to the annual convention and it is a bunch of writers in a in a convention hall, technical writers. How do I write? Something better to win business, and you know a lot of people from the education space and construction space and things like that. Um, and, and and so this kind of this kind of carries over into the how do we win more business? And there are some there are some various um, strategies with this. There are you know um, to 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 stop. You read this RFP, or whether it's an RFP or it's just a pitch you're making to somebody. To to take a step back and put yourself in the customer's shoes and say you know what i'm not going to tell you about my services quite quite yet what i need to first do is sure make sure i understand your needs and so i need to put myself in your shoes and understand what what are you really trying to solve uh and then i'm going to be a partner in helping you solve this and that is um understanding your your specific needs your budget how, what you consider to be a win, what's your return on investment or whatever that is. However you guys talk about that. And now I'm going to try to answer as many questions as I can with those core, those core tenants in mind. um, So that I'm always taking it back. It's always very customer centric, which is an easy concept in theory. It's harder because I am guilty of this all the time. I will always talk about, Oh, this feature, Oh, it does this. Well, our salespeople are really good about saying, well, how does this really impact you? So the, it, there's a dashboard. Great. Well, what does that mean? Oh, it means everybody is on the same page and they know the status of this opportunity without having to hold a meeting. Oh, well, that's a big time-saving thing. It publicly humiliates people who don't get their tasks done. Oh, that's a great <laughs> thing, too. So, 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 if, so if you're a freelancer and you have to answer an rfp um take take a minute to, to to read over the rfp and to do some research on the organization and 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 you know it wouldn't be a bad idea to to find out you know you go through linkedin or whatever to find out any connections you have to get the inside scoop what's not on the paper because um you find out maybe oh there's some politics at play or they're 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 unhappy with their current provider that just gives you some insight into what's going on. Um, there is a there's a proposal there's a software platform that helps people write proposals, irrespective of whether they're RFPs or not. And they they, have, they had a really good blog on how to um, how to respond, how to increase your win rate. And so I'll, I'll send that over. and Make sure that you get that out out to your wonderful your listenership.
2: We'll include that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. So if RFPs may not be
4: great for like solo operators and very small shops, in your estimation, is there sort of a sweet spot for you know your organization should be this large before you really start getting serious about RFPs, or are there certain roles that you should have? people in, in order to effectively respond to RFPs or just, you know, any sort of kind of neighborhood guesses?
1: In the beginning of our business, I put on the website, you know, if you have fewer than five people that are part of the process, this might be overkill. And I I thought about that mainly from a cost perspective. Um, But we have sole proprietors that purchase our software and it is because they have a tremendous amount of information that they're trying to to manage and even a google spreadsheet for example uh is not the best way because like in our software if i if i use an answer the system Knows that, and so it shows up in the metadata. This answer has been used x number of times. It's been used in these situations, and so that helps you with the management of that information. Uh, what's being asked? What's not being asked? What what information do I need to throw away because it's two two years old? In certain industries, even as a sole proprietor, you have RFP challenges. So if you're in the nonprofit sector and you're helping people write grant proposals, that's all done through. The RFP ninety well I don't I don't know stats wise it's a lot of it's done through the RFP process so you you've got to learn how to play that game and grant writers are really really successful the successful ones are hyper focused they help people win stuff in this area and they they know so much more than just what the RFP says and there's there's strategies around that also there are um, people in big organizations called like capture management people and they 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 go out there looking for opportunities and they know how much spend an agency has on this or a nonprofit has on this or whatever and so they just know the context around the rfp and that sort of knowledge is really insightful it's worth a lot of money uh i think you can charge a lot and have a very good career in that sort of field but you got to be very hyper focused you know like ad agency sort of things or marketing agencies helping people rebrand you know all the freelancers we've used in the last 8 years of our business you know f- first of all i never took any of that stuff out to rfp um but we did want to have a substantive conversation so um having somebody pitch us their credentials was very important so it's it's not dissimilar to the rfp process like that the person pitching their services to us needs to understand. They need to ask us a bunch of questions. Um it's so it's almost the opposite of an RFP in that sense. Um to put themselves in, in our shoes to be able to really understand our needs and and to have those tough, tough conversations about, do you really have the budget to hire a PR firm and there's only two of you right now? And the answer was no. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
3: Uh, so I have a question about more, some sort of external factors. If a company goes in wanting to, and they, they kind of see that they're, they fit a lot of criteria and it's a project that they want, um, to go after and, um, fulfill and submit and, um, like complete an RFP for, in like creating a proposal, uh, Are there any external factors and how much do they have weight on it? And by external factors, I mean like this person, does there have to be a lot of social proof, their social media following, like these other, because I know all this stuff is fairly new, this whole like sort of all these social online aspects. We know they can impact our business in so many ways. Can they impact to like to the positive or to the detriment of potentially winning an RFP?
1: I don't believe that the procurement space that has historically embraced RFPs has caught up to that yet. Um, I think that the most advanced group that, that listens to social media and, the in, and knows about the tools, they're all in the marketing space. And unless an RFP is coming out of a marketing department, I can't imagine that a procurement person having been one myself, I did. Well, of course Twitter hadn't been invented yet, but I would not have gone out to Twitter to look at someone's thought leadership. It just, it, it, it didn't cross my mind at the time because they hadn't invented it yet, but also, (laughs) also (laughs) procurement. Like it's, if you're, most of the people who are going through an RFP are going you know their boss told them to do an RFP their company charter t- says over a certain dollar amount they have to use an RFP they're going to they're going to have a section on references as opposed to going out to like in our case in software you can go out to one of multiple software review sites and you can read third party gathered software reviews on us the good the bad the ugly Is that better than asking us for three references? Yes. Do people do it? No. So it's a weird world. It's just, you know, a lot of things just aren't, they're not matched up, married up in the right way. And a lot of RFPs, my frustration with RFPs we get is I can tell that they were, somebody just took it off the shelf and maybe they dusted it off from the last time they did it. Or maybe they didn't. And that's why the word facsimile is still in the RFP <laughs> or, you know, uh, a city government that we do business with uh, in 2014. Let's say they stopped accepting paper proposals. Um, but before that, you had to physically deliver your proposal to their place of business. Well, if you're a in this, I know they did a diversity consultant RFP, they wanted to hire a consultant to go through their data to make sure that they were being um, fair and equitable in their awarding of contracts, which is admirable. But if you're only limiting yourself to consultants in your geographic area who have the means to physically deliver six copies of the proposal into this bin in the lobby, well, you've just limited your pool of people to who can do that. So You know this kind of stuff is still going on and um the the world has a lot to catch up and uh, i think um any any time that you can this is and this is why the rfp process stinks also there's also oftentimes a wall and you cannot get past that in in the really open organizations they'll make sure that there's a window of opportunity where you can ask questions and then they'll provide answers and you definitely want to make use of that if if you spend your time if you read the rfp and you say oh i think i could win this and there's a question and answer period and you can bombard them with questions thoughtful questions on some some procurement people might discount you as like oh my gosh these guys are so needy but the really good ones whom you want to work with with whom you want to work will say this is a person trying to really understand us and if you can get good responses back that'll help you decide whether you want to go forward with your bid or not. But that also gives you an insight into how they do business. And they're really there. If they're willing to put the effort forward to answer your questions, then maybe they're going to give you a fair shot. So I think there are some ways you can test a procurement organization who has an RFP out there. Um, There was a big state in the U.S. that had a big RFP. It would have been a life-changing thing for us as a small business um, and w- during the question and answer period, I asked some questions and they they just did not have good answers for them. And so we, we didn't bid on it. And the procurement officer called us afterwards and said, well, we really wanted you to bid on it. And I said, well, it wasn't obvious to me that you wanted to bid on it. I thought the RFP was one of the most poorly written ones I'd ever seen. Um, in another case, an, an educational oper- uh, institution had an RFP they posted online. And I said, you know, Um, we could really streamline this process if you did it electronically. Oh, we do it electronically. And I said, well, you wrote this in Word, printed it off, and then scanned it in and and saved a scanned image as a PDF. I couldn't even (laughs) parse it. I couldn't parse it into using Adobe products. And he's like, well, I don't understand what you're saying. And that is also the problem, too. You have have, um, people who don't understand... Maybe they're, maybe they're not understanding what they're supposed to be doing the best way. Or they're checking boxes and things. And as, as quickly as you can figure that out, you can cut and run to your next opportunity. And I'm saying this as a guy who loves RFPs.
0: By the way, one of your but, examples just now, I, I just have to make sure that I got the, the meta-ness of it. It was an RFP for RFP software in a municipality.
1: Oh yeah. That happens a lot. Oh <laughs> I'll give you there's a better meta one and that was um I I went down to visit this county government and they said, Well, you know, we, we really shouldn't be having this conversation because um because we we can't we can't talk about this until we issue an RFP and I said, Well, how many RFP software companies do you know of? Well, we didn't even realize there's a such thing as RFP software. So I said, So so the chances of you issuing an RFP for RFP software in light of the fact that you don't know that RFP software exists, like now we're getting, this is like the movie inception. Like this is buried in so many levels. I don't even know where to start.
2: Oh my Lord. It's funny when you when you went mentioned a while back there, but I I've, I think I saw I've, I was in I've seen a case of that like yeah you have to have this physically delivered by like a courier or something like that if you're not in town like that even more recently than tw- I, I want to say at least like three or four years ago I've definitely seen it's 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 like have I mean, you people not heard of email <laughs>
1: and, and people people I know very well have lost business because the courier didn't arrive on time and this is the third you know it's like i just i just don't get it you know i we allow you know if somebody misses the deadline in our software we added a feature where they can they can request you know this was due on friday well we missed it and it's monday morning can we still bid on this and and the buyer can say yes or no um, cause what happened, like, what if the internet is down that that's happened before. And so when the internet's down, you can't submit, but did it really matter? Were you, re- did you read this over the weekend? Did you already make a decision on Sunday night on this? No, you didn't. You haven't even opened the mail yet from Friday. So uh, they made
4: the decision before they issued the
1: RFP. <laughs> <There>
2: yeah.
4: <you go. laughs>
1: I did hear sadly of in all this time, you know, all these years I've been talking to people at RFPs and uh, I talked to a person in the government space and these were huge defense contract stuff. And they, this is back when they had uh, paper stuff that would be delivered. And on the day that things were due, the trucks would show up with the six copies of all the stuff. And these are, these are thousand page binders of defense contract proposals and they would, guide these carts into one of two two rooms. And there was the room for, here are the two defense contractors we have a great relationship with, and here are the three other ones that these are going to go straight into the vault. And, you know, stories like that, you, because I've heard them once, I know that they go on a lot more. And it saddens me when you think about um, in some cases, those organizations that have quantified how much it costs in time and dollars to put a proposal like that together. You know, if you've just spent four or five million dollars and a couple of years of your time to put together a giant project proposal and you are going to be carted off into the archives, that is disheartening and a horrible use of taxpayer. You know, I mean, it's not taxpayer money at, that's, at that stage. It is it's it just all of it just reeks of just the worst of humanity right there. So, well, relatively speaking, the, I'll say lower to mid worst of humanity. There's a lot lower. <laughs> um,
0: so if we should probably wrap up before we get into picks, um, do you have any like general advice for people who want to learn more about RFPs? since you've described them as a scintillating subject, we should all be rushing to to learn about. Um, if people want to learn more about yeah. them, what's what's a good resource to, to understand the whole process
1: better? Well, there's a marketing professor uh, at the University of Illinois who has um, a couple of lectures on RFPs as part of his marketing class. Um, and I'll, I'll share with you links there. There's a bunch of um, uh, YouTube videos he has on lectures. Um, there's a university professor at um, University of Missouri, Kansas City, and I just I just um, did a class with him last week. He wanted his students to understand RFPs. So we took very, just a very high level intro where we, d- you, we talked about the terminology, the different personas and things like that. I think that's a public thing. So I'll get you a link to that. Uh, um, um and just as an kind of an intro, just just um how what are they? How do I learn about them? Some resources and things because because there's a lot of mechanical stuff too. There is there are everything about the templates and how to present yourself and things. So um a lot of what we do as software is just making sure that people have a communication means, but then there is the art of the pitch and that's nothing that I don't. I don't think software really helps with that. That's all about how you craft yourself and how you stay true to your own brand, and um, so a lot of tactics therein.
2: Speaking to what the customer's looking for.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The short answer is, if you if you're like my sister who doesn't know what an RFP is, then you should turn around and not talk to me anymore. and go on with your happy life (laughs) and don't don't learn because you won't like it (laughs) there's a man who loves his job (laughs) (sighs) yeah at at trade shows when 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 people come up to our booth and say i see your booth uh what's an rfp and i would say congratulations you're going to live a fulfilling life Not (laughs) know The bar is over there. You can go take your time over there. (laughs) Looking out for
4: pretty
0: That's good. Yeah. Yes.
2: Oh, dear.
0: All right. Well, I think on that happy, exciting note, we're (laughs) going to uh, do a round of picks. See what everyone has to recommend for this week. Uh, Marg, why don't you go first this week? What you got for us?
3: Um... This week, I this is super exciting. It's not exciting at all. Um, I just got new hard drives because I had sort of bigger, clunkier ones before. But I got new My Passport hard drives, and I've dropped them twice, and they still work. So that's a win for me. Um, so they're uh, so they're My Passport hard drives. I'll put a link in. They're relatively inexpensive too. You can like color code them if you have different. Uh, for different files and different um, videos or pictures and stuff like that too, which is kind of cool.
1: Um, have you heard of the cloud?
3: Yeah, I know. Right. The <laughs> but
1: boy, when you drop the cloud, right. you lose a lot of data.
3: <laughs> These are for my backs- backups of my backups.
1: <laughs> Very smart.
3: <laughs> and also video from um, vlogging and webinars and mm-hmm. all that, all that fun stuff.
1: I'm just um, kidding. Yeah, I know there's a good reason for that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but yes, the cloud, in case you haven't heard of it. That'll be my pick I- for next week.
0: <laughs> uh, Meg, how about you? What you got?
2: I actually think I'm going to skip picks this week. But uh, yeah, nothing nothing uh, crazy uh, uh, to uh, recommend or uh, you know, uh, particularly uh, on my mind this week to recommend. But uh, yeah, we'll look into those hard drives, though. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Dave, how about you? What you got? I have been repeatedly answering or responding to emails with Calendly links in there. Calendly I've used for a number of years. Um, I set up meetings with, uh, we're entertaining new auditors and every person responded with a Calendly link, which meant that I could book the intro call in four and a half seconds And I sent Calendly an email and I said, thank you. Uh, Obviously, other software, there are other competitors out there, but goodness, how many emails did we used to send back and forth to schedule a 30-minute meeting? So thank you, technology.
2: I will underline that 100% as somebody whose business relies on scheduling phone calls and interviews with people across who knows how many time zones say lifesaver for sure <laughs>
1: and it's tied in now i just realized that i had it tied in with my calendar so when i'm on you know your calendar looking it's showing it's comparing it's doing that comparison the only difficult thing is when you're trying to you know coordinate with your colleague and you so you've got your calendar up and their calendar up whatever but but for the most part well outstanding
0: agreed agreed uh jeremy how about you what you got
4: uh, I'm going to go with kind of a leisure pick this week. Uh, it's a software program called Max for Live. That's kind of a uh, visual programming environment for music stuff. Lets you create new musical instruments, digital musical instruments, uh, process sounds uh, in various ways, uh, do all sorts of automation inside of uh, Ableton Live. Uh, and I've been enjoying learning that and kind of digging into it i recommend everybody
0: that's into music and programming check it out excellent and i have uh two podcasts to recommend after of course people have listened to ours um and they both are sort of similar and they're, they're from similar sources two of my favorite british writers about economics and society so the first is called the secret history of the future and it's from a combination of Slate and The Economist, from uh, Seth Stevenson, who's from Slate, and Tom Standage, who's writing I have just loved for years, and his books are amazing. And uh, the other one is called Cautionary Tales from Tim Harford. And basically, both podcasts are similarly telling interesting historical stories and what sorts of parallels they have for today. So for example, they talk about uh, virtual reality and how uh, 150 years ago in the Victorian era, they were trying to simulate reality by setting plaster casts of sculptures from uh, European art museums all around the world. So people could experience it even not seeing the original sculptures. Uh, And they talk about forks and Japanese toilets and when technologies are actually adopted and become normal versus weird. And such things. So, super, super cool stuff. Different podcasts, but similar things and uh, both lots of fun. And I guess uh, that takes us to the end of this episode. Dave, thank you so much for making us, putting the fear of God into us about RFPs. (laughs) Um, But, and yet, and yet, teaching us quite a bit, a lot about them. If we want to learn more about you, your company, and so forth, what are good places for us to do so?
1: Well, uh, we can be found on the internet at uh, rfp360.com. And my last request, if you could just edit in some hair on my forehead for this podcast, I would appreciate it.
0: Uh, Do you have a fax number we can reach you at?
1: Yes, it is (laughs) 1-800-GO-TO-THE-INTERNET. Excellent, excellent. Dave, thanks so much for being with us. I had a great time today. Well, I didn't realize that talking about RFPs could be so much fun. Uh, So thank you (laughs) for cobbling together this team from all around the world. And I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Likewise.
0: Thanks for coming. Thanks a lot. And thanks to you for listening. And we'll be back next week on The Business of Freelancing.